0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Craft Hot Sauce podcast. Today, our guest is David from Seed Ranch Flavor Company, located in Boulder, Colorado. David shares his journey starting Seed Ranch Flavor, how they got through some obstacles scaling up after finding out that their hot sauce was selected to be on the show Hot Ones, some tips for creating flavorful hot sauces. As well as some well-being tips to try to stay in the middle with extreme highs like Avrod and JJ Watt commenting on your hot sauce on Fallon, and the inevitable low points that happen when starting and running a business. But before we get into this episode, we have a message from our sponsor Anton Parr, hot sauce makers. You work really hard to make that perfect recipe, and as you're scaling up, consistency is so important. And a big part of consistency is viscosity. Simply put, how liquid and thick is your hot sauce? We've all been there before where you take a hot sauce bottle that is way too thin and you actually end up dumping half the bottle out in one pour, or it's been way too thick and you can't get it out of the bottle, which is not somewhere that you want to be. So, with the Visco QC from Anton Parr, you get the leading industry quality control viscometer. Uh, and or you get to use it for people like me that aren't data scientists and don't have a lot of background in using machinery. This is something that is easy to use. Um, so, to find out more about Anton Parr and the Visco QC, take a look in our show notes. Okay, let's get into the episode. Well, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm excited about it, Brian. And we, we met up in Portland, what was that, man, uh, about a year and a half ago now, yep. pre-COVID, you know, no masks, beer in hand, you know, within six feet, it's, it's, it sounds so sexy now.
0: I know. It's gonna be so good when, when that happens again, though that just feels like so long ago now, but <laughs> that I, I just love those expos just because it, it's great. Like that was the first time I met you. Um, and I, I heard about your your hot sauces and, and everything. So it's just so fun to meet so many new people, catch up with old friends. But well, what are some of your favorite parts of, of those types of large events and expos?
1: Well, you know, it's a pretty small community of of hot sauce makers, you know, all, all said and done. And I got to say that, you know, across the board, it's just an awesome community. Um, you know, folks have always been happy to share their own experiences, what has worked for them, you know, tasting all the different sauces. One, one thing that comes out of those every time is a reminder that, you know, no matter how good or how special I think a sauce is that I make, There are like 20 other sauces out there that are probably just as good. Uh, You know, I think about flavor as strategy, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's so many folks making spicy, you know, condiments, sauces, foods, you know, crisps, you name it. Um, So it's a blast to see a lot of the same folks, a lot of the same faces, the new ones, what's coming on the scene Um, and just, you know, get to spend some time, especially with the smaller other craft makers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when I walk through a grocery store, I see Cholula and Tapatio and Sriracha and Tabasco, and it's kind of pie in the sky, like, wow, those, right, those are the big guys, but uh, these are the other people kind of in the trenches and fighting to, to get sauce out there and to make, you know, a lot of the time make a living, or if it's not making a living, having is it as a hobby, so... Um, Yeah. Flavoring community, man. Flavoring community, brother.
0: Totally. Uh, Yeah. And and, uh, I remember, so I'm from Boston, so I was flying back, and you better believe that every ounce of my 50-pound bag was was filled with hot sauce. And (laughs) it it, it was nice to do some trading. I got my hands on uh, the Thai green chili hot sauce, which um, I love. And it's it's just such a... It's got some awesome heat, which I I think uh, comes from obviously the the reaper that, that will, that will do it, but um, just a really great smooth sauce that that's a a different approach to a Verde. And I I think we're going to get all into different approaches to flavor, differentiating hot sauces and and how you think about putting together a hot sauce, but less than a year later. and, And I don't know if this just happens to be that I sample hot sauces and then, they pop up on Hot Ones. But less than a year later, I saw that Hot Sauce on the season 11 Hot Ones lineup. And uh, that was pretty awesome to see. And one does not just simply start a Hot Sauce company and get featured on Hot Ones. So we're going to get into the whole story. But there's a lot of moments as an entrepreneur where you're just living in a really surreal moment. And I would have to imagine uh, there's a, a moment where you get notified that your hot sauce is going to be on that show. So, can you transport me to that moment and kind of explain where you were and some of the immediate thoughts that were going through your head when you, when you found out about that they wanted this hot sauce on the Hot Ones lineup?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Hot Ones has done such a great service for our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the Oprah's book club of, of hot sauces, right? That's what I tell people. But, you know, we've been working with the Heatonist um, since the very beginning. I mean, I think in 2017, our umami sauce, which, you know, super mild, not at all a hot one sauce, and, um, you know, Thai Green for a little while were, were there. Um, and those guys have just been excellent partners and kind of trailblazers. Um, and I got a call from Tyler. Uh, you know, and we we had launched the hot tie green. I'd sent him over to him. And, you know, he told me like, hey, this isn't public yet, but we'd like to have your hot tie green on Hot Ones. And give you some context, this is uh you know, sometime in November, uh for you know the January uh or January, February hot ones. And so we're we're a small company still, you know, I'm gearing up for uh, the holiday season making sure that we got you know, inventory around, you know, cash flow is always tight, you know, in general. But, um, you know, we started talking about volumes. And so my, my level of stoke and excitement was through the roof. Um, and, you know, we looking into volumes, I was like, okay, that's about, you know, the, the first production run for Hot Ones would probably be about 10 times the size that we had been doing wow. on a regular basis. Um, so in terms of buying ingredients, glass, uh, you know, labels, everything, that's some real cash out there. Right. Plus the holiday squeeze. Plus our co-packer at the time was moving shop from one area of Colorado to another. So all of you know, his machinery was on a couple of trucks. And I was like, all right, we can do this. I told Tyler, "Yes, we can do this." Like don't. Like, <laughs>
0: did that all? all just, did all the, that logic cross through your mind in that conversation? Oh no, that... no, 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 <laughs> not at all. On the, on the phone call, I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: boil it down to one excitement, and yeah, they also asked me to make the sauce hotter because okay. originally the sauce was, you know, we've been known Seed Ranch Flavor Co. Right is about kind of flavor over heat, so even when this heat. Uh, you know flavor first and we layer together those to create this spicy experience right so um, I said yeah no problems um, like I think that day I whipped up like a couple of bottles a little hotter with uh, you know some some additional reaper some an additional serrano um, and then that week I started looking through things I called up our co-packer um, you know and am thinking about like okay what's what's the cash outlay what you know how can I bridge this from, from, um, you know, from November and December, everything had to be delivered the first week in January, uh, or within the first two weeks. Uh, so I started working backwards, you know, kind of thinking about, okay, how,
0: mm.
1: how difficult, you know, I figured, okay, I can make this happen. Um, I did have to go out and get a loan, you know, uh, eventually I realized I was like, okay, um, You know, the federal government can run a deficit, but I can't. So I got to go out, get a loan to a short term, like two month loan to to turn this around and get this made for hot ones. Um, And on top of it, our co-packer was having all of these delays. And thankfully, earlier that year, I thought, well, man, if, um, you know, if our co-packer can't produce or, you know, they were getting busier and so it was harder to schedule runs, like, I don't really have a B option. You know, the B option was me producing it and single piston filler producing, you know, tens of thousands of bottles is not really something I was, I was set up to do, nor did I really uh, want to do that. So um, I got on the phone with the backup co-packer who I had just taken a tour probably a month ago, uh, a month before. Um, and those guys came through and were able to schedule us the the right time. We literally produced, you know, they went on pallets and they went out the door the next day, um, you know, in in January. And so it was, it was, it was about six to eight weeks of both the best thing to have happened to Seed Ranch Flavor Co. and the hardest moment for me as a founder uh you know an entrepreneur figuring out how to deal with this problem the success problem if you will Mm, that the mm -hmm, hot ones
0: mm -hmm. uh occurred wow well i think we're gonna we're gonna continue on uh how you kind of bridge that that uh that gap there and everything but i I wanted to kind of take it back earlier to um, way earlier but it sounds like cooking is in, in your blood. Uh, can you tell me kind of some of your, your connections to, to cooking growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my family, so uh, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a mutt when it comes to where I was born, my folks, um, you know, my, my father's French, my mother's English. Uh, I was born in the Chicago area um and you know we always spent a ton of time in the kitchen you know as a family it was it was cooking it was you know being around in the kitchen my mother's an incredible um you know cook my grandmother was a a cook and a chef my uncle was a a chef and my sister owns uh, a farm-to-table restaurant in Milan Italy Uh, she runs the kitchen and her husband is a sommelier in front of house so it's Prior to Seed Ranch, you know, I had never been a professional chef. Food was my passion and my hobby and where like I would find relaxation at the end of crazy mm. days. Right. Um, and so that culinary process and like making your own food and seeing the the chemistry and the magic that happens when you know, you put together, you know, 12 to 15 to 26 ingredients. And it comes out as this, you know, incredible experience that, you know, it just makes everyone smile. You know, I, I, I think about it. My title is chief of flavor, right? So my main goal is just to bring smiles to people's faces when they taste my food. Um, and, yeah, you know, that's ingrained in me. It's ingrained in my family. And this, this kind of put that, Vocation with my vacation, you know, uh, and made the passion into what I do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, yeah, because, well, it because I, I feel like a lot of people can relate to some of the the cooking side where, uh, and, and this is not for everybody, but I, I think I fall under this bucket under more of the the cooking side where you can just experiment with, with different things and combinations. And you mentioned like 15 to 26 ingredients and how they all combine in, into something different. Um, and then I have friends and, and family members that are more on like the baking side where they're a little bit more, per, or a little bit, a lot more precise uh, and kind of measure out things. And, and that, that, that's baking. There's so much transformation as well. Um, but I'm curious if there's certain elements within kind of the, the culinary landscape that, really stood out to your family, whether it be, um, kind of sourcing ingredients from different areas or or certain types of dishes that have kind of really transferred over into, uh, your hot sauces and, and cooking.
1: Yeah. You know, as, as, uh, you know, first generation American, right. Um, I grew up with international cuisine being a part of things my father you know did, was french and did his uh, military civilian service over in thailand and so like thai food was always a mm-hmm. part of of our our world growing up um traveling a lot seeing family you know always that kind of amalgamation um you know flavors but the, you know we we were we definitely grew up with a, a couple of you know a, a lot of food cooked at home we were you know my parents were never big like takeout restaurant folks um and fresh ingredients right so yeah. that idea from the beginning that like you know garlic powder is great sometimes but fresh garlic will 99 percent of the time be a better choice right like there's is those types of kind of leading things and then through especially through my sister being a chef like I learned a lot more about the chemistry of food, right? Thinking about how, you know, different ingredients change when you heat them. If you, you know, high heat, fry something, right? Versus slowly cook, you know, take an onion, for instance, Yeah. right? You can you can have an onion that you just cook super fast and it retains its crunch and the alum and all that, uh, or you slow cook it really slowly, caramelize it, gets super sweet, has no... is is more akin to you know caramel for the the name caramelized than it is to you know a raw onion that you would you would chop up and eat Um, and so when I approach making sauce as I did you know like 2016 Christmas 2016 our, our first sauces were designed you know making sauces with peppers off of my um, co-founder's porch, and we were going to make them for Christmas presents for friends and family, and that okay. just quickly expanded, right? And the idea was around, you know, bringing the culinary experience back into, uh, you know, the hot sauce world. Where, don't get me wrong, there've been craft makers doing incredible things for a long time, but your typical big box hot sauce is peppers, vinegar, spices, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe some cum gum in there. Um, and so the idea of, you know, the chemistry of food, the process of making, you know, great food, right, as well as that uniqueness of flavor and that, you know, that flavor experience that turns the everyday cook into a chef, right? The bottle that t- that's your friend in the kitchen that all of a sudden with our Thai green, you can make Thai green curry, you can saute yeah. stuff, you can create that, right? So th- those are some of the things that kind of I took from before, have learned and have really implemented from day one um, and process, you know, process is kind of the unsung hero where the first batch of sauce I made, I actually measured everything out because wow. <laughs> that's, that's my, the first time
0: I've heard that.
1: And <laughs> the, the reason being that, you, you that know, background. from the beginning, we wanted to replicate and I was like, "All right, wait, wait, no. if I'm going to replicate this. It has to be like a recipe. And so the first 12, 15 batches, you know, kind of a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that um, had a, had a, a record. And yep. so I can, I can go back to the, the first, you know, um, you know, smoky, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we used to call our smoked jalapeno, smoky redhead. Um, <laughs> and then for, got some feedback, people, like maybe you don't want to put that on the shelf. Huh? <laughs> All right, fine. Smoked jalapeno, uh, you know, but umami, Thai green, smoked jalapeno. Those were the, the first three recipes we made. Um, and I still have. I think I still have a bottle of each of the first the first cool. batch we did.
0: Nice. I mean, so it, it sounded like when you did that first batch were you, um, you you were quickly thinking about this as a business idea.
1: Yeah, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a while and so anything I do kind of ends up with a there's a little you know, itch in the back of my head. That's like, well, if yeah. this does take off, is there an opportunity here? Um, you know, this country is amazing because starting a business and running a business is possible. Like w- one thing I've learned from seeing my my sisters run businesses over in Europe is that there's a lot more red tape. It's a lot harder. The backbone of this country is small business. You know, um, and so I had the idea. Well, if you know, and uh, if this really does take off, and we, you know, we made five gallons of each. We made tiny batches. We sold out of it in, in six days because friends and family and people who, you know, friends of friends were saying, well, like, oh, well, you know, Peter gave me a, uh, I tasted some of your, your umami and I, I want a bottle. How can I buy some people were buying cases of them? And I was like, all right, well, that's, that's about as good of a customer interview feedback you can get where people, you know, you've never met or have gotten your, your email and your number and are like, where can I buy this? Yeah. I'll pay you cash
0: that's yeah that's awesome so i actually i would love to i'd be very interested in uh hearing more about some of your entrepreneurial experiences before starting the, the hot sauce side of things and uh i think we i remember talking when i met you in portland or uh, yeah in portland uh i said i was from boston you're like oh I, i'm I, that was my backyard for a long time. And, and, and you lived in Boston for a while and mentioned you went to uh, Wesleyan and mm-hmm. I feel like college is a, is a really transformational time for, for a lot of people and especially in what they do uh, in their careers. But did you have kind of a, a moment where that entrepreneurial bug bit you? And, and uh, I'm curious how you got into entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the first business I ever started was when I was nine or 10. Um, I figured out I could buy blow pops, like in really big boxes for about 10 cents a piece and then sell them for 50 cents a piece to kids at school. Um, and I just remember doing that. And then I think I I was buying mountain biking stuff or something at the time, but it was that, that kind of stuck with me where I was like, Oh, wait a second. So you can buy something from one place and sell it somewhere else. That's a business. Right. Right. Okay. I can, I can see this. And, uh-huh. you know, I had a little, had a couple of little side gigs in college, but nothing, nothing major. And, um, you know, coming out of school, you know, Wesleyan is a fantastic university. It is not at all a hotbed for entrepreneurship. You know, it's, um, Lots of artists, lots of, you know, uh, musicians and super talented folks. Um, And my first job coming out of uh, coming out of college was 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 great. It was fine. Uh, It wasn't really that fulfilling. And I was like, you know, I I want my efforts to both serve me directly and not some boss and then his boss and then the corporate, you know, structure above. Like, that's one way to do it. I really wanted to have that direct one-to-one connection. Um, mm. And so I was 22 when I started working on, you know, my, my first company, um, which not at all in sauce, it was called makemesustainable.com. It was um, all around, you know, sustainability and the, the little things people can do and um, built that up over uh, about four and a half, five years, sold it in 2011, um, you know, and then started a portable power uh, company thereafter portable clean power um, so around kinetic energy and solar and things and um ran that up until 2016. so the it was a kind of one thing rolling into the other uh you know i mean i had some weird jobs in between to pay the bills sometimes i worked <laughs> as a census worker one year um <laughs> i was a gym teacher for a semester at this local school uh, but the, the passion, you know, was what really kept me going. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with Seed Ranch, it just fell into place immediately. Um, it was just kind of like, hey, food is, has been a huge part of my life. And, you know, the, the sauce world is something like I, I've always loved hot sauce. Um, and I decided, hey, I, I can make something that's different than what's out there that people really love, um, and build a, uh, you know, build a viable company around it that can grow. And you know, it was called seed ranch flavor company, right? It's not, uh, but I didn't call it seed ranch, hot sauce co because we are and have been working on so many other things and other uh, types of products. Right. But hot sauce was the sandbox and is still that flavor kind of, kernel that we can take in lots of different directions you know umami sauce became umami reserve sauce became umami seasoning umami seasoning went into our cheddar craving you know cheese powder and our spicy queso cheese powder and our general sauce powder and um it's rolled from there right so the the big picture there is really about bringing unique incredible flavors you know that that make everyone smile that are delicious that you know Everyone around one table can enjoy.
0: That's awesome, yeah. And I, I, I think a lot of people. It's natural for your kind of vision and and core uh, elements of, of why you're doing it to to evolve over time with experiences. But from the get go, it seemed that like clean food, real food, uh, and flavor were at the the core of what you started it as and what you're continually evolving as today. Um, but I'm, I'm curious when you're, you're thinking about um, adding new products and uh, I know um, that you all have um, done some, some really new uh, successful launches, um, how you kind of think about that R&D process and and then the the prom- promotional aspect um, after you feel really confident about that product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think like a lot of a lot of folks in this world, in this industry, I should say, and across many, is, I saw an opportunity to make delicious sauce. At first, it was really about you know that the product approach was not about how big's the sauce, hot sauce industry and you know where are we gonna launch? And I was like, hey, let's make some great sauce. Um, you know, 2017, 2018 for me as an entrepreneur and for Seed Ranch was about learning. It was about learning about the industry, learning about sales channels, learning about what sells, what doesn't, what people like. You know, We were at the farmer's market from 2017 to 2019 and so I had thousands of people between markets and gift events, and you know, New York City Hot Sauce Expo, Fiery Food Show. You know, um, all those were this this really good process of of what I what I think about is customer interviews, right? It's big companies pay other companies to go out and talk with people about their products. You know, for us, that was the farmers market, and that was yeah. talking one on one with with folks um now you know i've 2017 2018 learning right 2019 2020 it was about hustle it was about okay we've got a good foundation here how do we grow that how do we move that forward um and in 2020 you know with covid i i didn't know what to expect nobody did right i was like oh this is everything's going to hell in a handbasket and um what i decided to do that year um or last year, geez, it felt like, it felt like a three-year year, year, right? So, (laughs) um, was really think carefully. We were starting to get, you know, we had seven sauces and four seasonings, you know, in 2020 and I wanted to launch and I'd been working on for almost a year, our truffle hound hot sauce. So uh, following in the footsteps, you know, obviously of Treff and the the incredible marketing they did around that. But, different flavor profile and what I prefer in terms of of flavor. And so
0: I I actually have a funny truffle story and I feel like this was one, when the truffle craze was, was really hitting at least my, uh, kind of views and and everything. Um, I was over at my, uh, fiance's uh, house and Christmas party and, and everybody was there and, uh, Lily's uncle was like totally into truffles and, and uh, we had like some truffle seasoning that he gave us, but he had a, a white truffle that people were kind of slicing and, and mm-hmm. Lily's grandfather, just uh, the one that just had a, a huge chip with um, what he thought was guacamole that was actually uh, wasabi um, <laughs> continuing that type of thing, just took the truffle and popped it in his mouth and was like, what is this shit? It tastes like dirt. And Dave was like, oh my God, you just ate a thousand dollar truffle. And he was like, well, it tastes like shit. <laughs> but um yeah, but in fine amounts. And for for a lot of people, I mean, yeah, so that, that was just my my funny experience with truffles, but um, there is certainly a, a passionate uh following and, and a very interesting uh, ingredient to experiment
1: with yeah and talk about umami bomb right umami is we we have followed very carefully obviously it's you know that savory taste right the way we taste savory things and um you know mouth rounding and truffle is kind of is one of those few ingredients that is just absolutely loaded with it right and um you know for for me in making the sauce i knew i didn't want to use truffle oil I wanted to have, back to that fresh ingredient, back to that real ingredient, I was like, I want to use real black summer truffles, you know, layer in that flavor, make it something that is accessible every day, that's gourmet, but is affordable and delicious, right? And so when we launched that, you know, we had a whole plan in place leading up to how we were going to launch it, who we were going to launch it to, how many bottles I had costed it out. Um, You know, when I ordered the first Large, well you know let's say for our first 50 gallon run i was this you know there's over a, a dollar worth of truffle ingredients per bottle and that's just raw cost right wow. i mean yeah most hot sauces that you see on the shelf probably are 15 cents of ingredients you know uh peppers vinegar spices again um and so i i, I knew from the beginning that okay this is going to be this is going to be tricky it's going to need to cost you know a premium kind of range in terms of pricing um but we we did you know we changed up the the bottle uh you know we we didn't want it in the classic five ounce woozy i wanted something a little more special worked with a local artist um you know to to actually design the truffle hound and those little trees you know it's all hand-drawn in there and kind right. of make it because something that...
0: to, to sort to find truffles it like animals are involved with I definitely know pigs sometimes and also uh sounds like hounds with the this the sauce name and everything
1: yeah you, you hit it on the head it's it's you know truffle pigs are what are most known um but dogs also can be trained to to find truffles so Uh, truffle hound you know we we rolled with like the name um and you know the trademark was available too so that helped
0: yeah nice yeah yeah. important important thing for sure and and because i'm i'm actually releasing uh, a new sauce uh and I, i think i've been thinking about what was the best way to release it and i think uh the the first thing to a lot of times for when you're thinking about how to increase revenue, how to increase exposure, a lot of people, you immediately think, it's like, Oh, more of everything. Um, but oftentimes the, the best way to do it is, is look to your current customers and, and current community. So were there any uh, strategies that you found were, were super helpful in terms of, of having an effective uh, release of that sauce?
1: Yeah, and community is a big word for us, you know, internal to, to Seed Ranch. And what we mean by community is everything from the larger hot sauce community, but down to our most loyal customers, to, you know, our email list, to our friends and peers and all of the hot sauce groups on Facebook, you know, for instance. Um, and so those were some of the folks we reached out to at first. And the, the reality is, um it's tempting to think hey everybody is going to want to eat this sauce cuz it's so delicious the reality is the your most fervent customers your most fervent kind of believers and supporters would be the first folks and so they're the ones who we went to first and said hey we have a limited number of bottles this is for you guys um you know jump on board and we we straight up asked everybody hey please go buy this um, that was that was the ask and I you know, we've spent four years building up uh, a group of folks, you know, it's, it's the same folks that we go to first with discounts. It's the same folks, you know, and customer service and customer experience is, is the kernel around which we built Seed Ranch. We want to make sure that, you know, hey, if, if we have a bad batch or something, we'll send somebody a new bottle. If, if somebody doesn't like a flavor, we'll send them a different one really making sure that every time that our customers work with me personally, work with my team, work with seed ranch, it's a great experience. Right. So the, you know, the, the direct to those hundred, 200, 300 really fervent customers I think is the best way to launch.
0: Yeah. 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 And and I think them, like you have your own uh, connection to the sauce, but everybody has their own other unique connection or food combination. And, and I think the, the customer is saying what their true thoughts are, are is what's actually sometimes the strongest message. I mean, and it, it can be different for everyone.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the other piece around all that is the the dollars and cents of it, right? That as small producers, we don't have marketing budgets and we can go and, and spend, you know, all of that up at, um, in big grocery stores, promoing things and end caps and free filling and, um, you know, working with a distributor and a broker. And, you know, when you, when you look at the, the total size of the pie, when you first launch a sauce and you say, well, I think I can price this sauce at $6 at $8. Um, you got to work back out. Hey, who all is going to be eating out of this pie before the customer actually buys it? You know, how do I, uh, you know, still make money if I have to? You know, sell to a distributor, have a broker go into a grocery chain and sell it to the buyer, and then the grocery chain marks it up, but they also mandate you know, quarterly promotions of at least 15%. And that's what's going to drive your discovery buyers in the store, the little sale hang tag, right? So it's, it's a whole calculation, not just in terms of flavor, but in terms of making sure there's enough left over to keep the company going, to, you know, pay employees, to pay co-packers, to pay, uh, you know, everybody in that supply chain.
0: That sounds complicated. <laughs> I mean, because it is. There's a lot of different factors uh, that go into that. And uh, it tends to be pretty unique to kind of consumer packaged goods in terms of a lot of those metrics and numbers. Um, I'm curious,
1: uh,
0: what were some of the things from your past entrepreneurial experiences that were helpful uh, to starting uh, seed ranch, and, and then what were some of those things that you had to to learn, uh, whether on the fly or, or kind of doing some research? And I don't know if there's any resources that you thought were helpful, but I guess starting to kind of get into um, advice for others looking to kind of start a, a hot sauce venture.
1: Sure, sure. And the, I mean, I, I think the number one experience that i had with my past companies that prepared me for this one had nothing to do with industry they had nothing to do with uh you know finance it was understanding that it is really fucking hard to start something from the ground up and that the highs are like everest and the lows are like the grand canyon and you know, if you're working a nine to five or nine to six or a consulting job like I was like, you know, you go home and you have a weekend and you come back on Monday refresh. Well, the reality is that it's very different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that I think was kind of the biggest armor, if you will, in building this thing that I knew, hey, this is going to be hard for a couple of years to even get to a place where I've learned enough about the industry and I know enough about this to to really start to grow and in that process, not drive myself nuts. Mm. Um, then you know to the more tactical side, right? Uh, I'd sold on Amazon for a few years, so I knew the Amazon ecosystem. I understood like wh- what kind of margins I could be expecting, what FBA prices, you know, and fees would be. Um, and the same thing, I was making physical goods, so I knew all right from Cogs to MSRP. I want to I'm going to peg this at at X number over my my Cogs, which includes shipping to me and shipping to the customer, and um, so there was, there was a level of kind of just understanding the mechanics and the math that are, um, you know, those are, those are the, the, the things that you can control from the beginning, um, versus something like flavor that's more nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I always talk about flavor is as much science as it is art. And yep. if I can be masters of both, then I'm, I'm winning, right? But Um, the mechanics of, of all that is, is really important. And then, you know, the last piece is kind of around sales and sales channels and getting out there and, and understanding that no is what you will hear most of the time, you know, and not being afraid to approach, you know, the, the first year I was in business, I was literally walking into grocery stores and gift stores and, um, you know, say with, with samples and and trying to talk with the buyers and, you know, whether it's the owner of the store or a buyer, if it's a smaller chain, um, but kind of having that thick skin of knowing there's only so far that friends and family and like, you know, your Facebook profile are going to get you. Then after that, it's about, uh, you know, hitting the ground, hitting the pavement, selling, uh, you know, making sure that the, the whole ABC thing is so true, you know, always be closing. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gone on, say, a, a random trip and I'll bring some samples with me and pop into a store or two and just just see, hey, can I, can I get this sale? Uh, can, I, can I expand into this, this little town or into this large city? Because the, the personal connection, you know, is, is super important. And especially with smaller companies, everyone wants to know who you are as the founder, or who you are as the maker. Um, it's, it's less. So are you Elon Musk CEO? It's more a, uh, are you a human? And is your product good. And do, do I, you know, trust you? Do I like you? Uh, there's so many different yeah, things yeah. to go into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, um, I think for, for any entrepreneur, uh, and, and founder, y- you got to sell <laughs> like selling is what keeps the, the, the lights on and pays the bills. And so that's something that I think is, is continually something to work on, but the, the more you get practice on it, the, the, the more you're going to get no's and the more you can learn from those no's and the, the more thicker skin that you get. And, and, and I think, um, that that's, that's some, some good insight that, and I think that the more that you have those experiences, it's, you're going to fail and, and, you, you learn a lot from those lessons. Um, I'd imagine you were saying that the highest of highs, uh, th- there must've been some really cool experiences seeing your your hot sauces eaten by celebrities and, and commenting on those. Um, I, like what, what were some of those kind of those pinch me moments that kind of really have really stuck with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the first episode of Hot Ones, was right before COVID. So we had a big like launch and viewing party at a local brewery here in town. You know, there was probably 60 people there and and, and like big fans of hot ones, fans of seed ranch. Um, and so that was, that was awesome. Just, just seeing, you know, the, the sauce up there. And then a couple of weeks later, I can't remember when it was, but I woke up to a bunch of texts and you know, a couple of friends were like, man, it was so cool to see your your hot ones on your your sorry your hot sauce on on fallon last night i was like what do you mean <laughs> i didn't i didn't know this was like the tonight show and so they they did a hot ones they've been doing these little spots where sean evans is on with jimmy fallon and the celebrity guests it was jj watt and wow. jimmy fallon you know eating eating our sauce and, and talk about it and then the same thing happened again during covid like one of their stay-at-home version was a rod jimmy fallon sean evans and uh, that that was certainly awesome and you know the first time also that i saw my sauce like on the shelf at a grocery chain i was felt pretty damn good i was like okay it's it's fun to see it on amazon and our website and all that but just just to to walk in and see it on the shelf and I was probably demoing and having people taste the sauce at the time. So I was worried about it. I was like, all right, that's, that's it. It's still, even with all the e-com and and direct to consumer and Amazon being such a player on, on the shopping and grocery world, there's something special about, you know, seeing your product on the shelf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and something you also mentioned uh, is kind of like, and I I felt this for sure is that you have like entrepreneurship really does feel like a wave and it's, it's a fun surfing is fun. Like entrepreneurship is fun, but it's intense because like you, you definitely feel that buzz from those highs. Um, And then, I mean, personally I've had moments where I've like, I feel like I'm in a funk and I'm not really sure why. And, And I think just, a tendency that is human nature is to compare ourselves to others and like the grass is greener on the other side. And I think that can kind of trigger some funks or, or, or kind of keep you down. But I'm curious if you've had some some moments where you've kind of been in those low moments and and if there's strategies or, or things that you've done to kind of help you even out a little bit or kind of get out of a funk.
1: Absolutely. And you know, the, the surfing analogy is a, is a good one because when you're on the wave and you're riding it, it feels great. I'm a terrible surfer, but I, uh, I, Me too. <laughs> I have, have surfed enough times where I know what it's like to catch a wave and, you know, ride it all the way in and it feels great. And then, you know, you still got to paddle back out to catch the next wave, right? The hard work is there. You uh, maybe things are rough, and then there's the times where you're riding the wave and you just get pummeled, right? And you like you end up at the bottom. And you're just you know going through. So the you know in terms of those low moments, I I've tended to find that the when things are tough with the business. And as an entrepreneur, like, you know, the the buck stops here, right? At the, at the end of the day, there's nobody else to blame most of the time. Like, sure, you can blame COVID, but you also are the one who can take COVID and try and make it work for you, for your customers, for, um, you know, for your business. But those low points end up making other parts of your life unbearable. Right. So family, friends, you know, um, relationships, that kind of thing. So it's, it's like a multiplier effect uh, mm-hmm. that can go positive or negative. Right. Where you, you go through and pre-COVID, I would probably tell you like, you know, it's a week to week kind of thing. Now with COVID, it feels day to day where I'm riding high and then I'm feeling low. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are some things that I have. I've both read or listened to in terms of what other entrepreneurs have done. It's always super helpful for me, even though I know this is the case, but it's always been helpful for me to hear these wildly successful people, you know, take like how I built this with Guy Raz, for instance, or, or, uh, you know, reading books that it's like, man, they went through the same types of struggles right like Mm -hmm. nobody has come up with an idea and on day you know 1000 they're super successful and they never had a hard time right so reminding myself as you know same way as you know you can get yourself into a funk if you compare yourself with you know if year one you're like well i'm why am i not cholula yet right um but the other side is true where hey things are things are tough people get through them people come up with unique, you know, strategies for coping. Um, you know, I would say on a, on a daily basis, there's a couple of things, you know, one, I get outside, um, I exercise, I do something to move my body. Some days it's as simple as like taking a a walk or a hike, um, you know, hit, hit the gym, hit the weight room, sweat, get like, get some turnover, you know, um, I'd like to get more sleep than I do, but I don't. Uh, and then, you know, the, the other, the other one that, um, you know, I've, I've been, I've had a, a meditation practice, um, of some way, shape or form since I was 22. I realized this with my first company that like I was, especially when I was like 23, I had all the energy in the world, but if I did not do something to calm all of the crazy in my mind, there's yeah. no way, you know, and there's no number of IPAs and whiskeys that'll, that'll really settle it. Right. So, um, I definitely, the times where I've had that daily practice of, you know, five to 10 minutes, 20 minutes here and there, just something to calm the mind, um, everything else falls into place. Um, You're able to concentrate on one task at a time, get things done, move things forward. Um, You know, that's that's certainly it. And then with my team, um, you know, we're we're a tiny team still. You know, I like to say I'm CEO and janitor and everything in between. <laughs> um, but I make sure that we, as a team, kind of work hard, play hard. Um, you know, everyone does work hard. You know, I give I give everybody a vacation. I make sure everybody takes some time. Like if we're gonna be packing a bunch of sauce and shipping it off to. Amazon or to a distributor to a warehouse you know we'll, we'll do like a happy hour in the warehouse and, and have a couple of beers while we're doing that listen to some music, relax, blow we'll off some steam because at the end of the day you're only as good as your mental state in any given you know period and so yeah. those, those, those are just a few and you know I'm um, I'm sure there are others but they've definitely been helpful. Uh, you know, for me and growing this stuff.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I think that's uh, really helpful. I, I mean, I, I find that myself is like when I am feeling in a funk, it's like, well, have you exercised in like the last few days? Have, I, I try to try to say i have a meditation practice but it's it's very inconsistent but a lot of times like have i meditated in the last few days like no uh, and then it, 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 uh, that can really kind of snap me back into place. I, I'll, I'll
1: be the first to say like do as i say not as i do necessarily because <laughs> yeah there are yeah. weeks where you know um but you know something for you know body and mind every day basically if you yeah. can do something like that and yeah some days i'll all all i can muster is like you know uh having a beer with friends and just being able to talk about and focus on something that's not the next order or the next sale or the the problems you know with supply chain and why is glass you know 20 percent more expensive and i can't get any of it right it's like okay.
0: Relax. Yeah, try and t- turn try and, it off for a sec. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I want to transition to a few like kind of rapid fire questions. Um, and at, any hot sauce maker gets to try a lot of hot sauces. What, what are some of your favorite non seed ranch sauces? Oh
1: yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you first about a couple of my favorites right now and I'll tell you about my terrible experiences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, First, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of buying local and supporting local, so um, Juan over at Green Belly Foods makes a bomb cilantro green sauce. It's delicious. Um, Jay Burns and McCoy, um, you know, especially if you like hotter stuff, I would say half of his stuff I don't even touch most of the time because it's so damn hot, but uh, he's got that pineapple uh, that's out of this world, and then um, is a, a local fermented hot sauce company um, and they make a Sriracha. I think they call it, but it's a fermented Sriracha. Um, that they ferment all their own peppers grown on Macaulay farms. Uh, Marcus Macaulay is the owner over there. So he actually cool. goes straight pepper to ferment, to bottle. Um, so I would say those are, those are three of the ones that I know are, you know, sitting in my, my fridge right now. Um, that's a lie, just the srirachas in my fridge. The, yeah, I, I have like two shelves of hot sauce. It's crazy, but love the Bravado guys and what, what they do. Um, you know, the um, Hillside Harvest. I think we, we talked a little bit about yep. um, okay. Kamal okay. sauces inspired by his, his mom's like Jamaican cooking. Those are absolutely delicious. Um, you know, right up in your neck of the woods, too. Yeah. So, local, local for you, local for me, you know, we, we, we do a little bit of each. But, um, and the terrible. Oh, let me tell you about the terrible. <laughs> um, I, if you ever go to a hot sauce convention and somebody offers you peppers, snacks, sauces that don't have a label on them, and they're like, oh, this is really hot, don't eat it. Just do your gastrointestinal system a favor. And, you know, in, unless you're, you know, Ed Curry and, and Tom and and Johnny Scoville and you really love the pain, just beware. Yeah. Um, I, I, ate, I ate one of Johnny Scoville's dumb hot peanuts. I forget what they're called. Tubaterra, Tubaterra, Tuba that's what it is, <laughs> down in Dallas. And, man, it ga- gave me, like, you know, gastrointestinal distress for 24 hours. One peanut
0: one peanut wow
1: jeez. Yeah. beware beware that guy although an excellent excellent human
0: yeah 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 i uh that was funny seeing uh it's funny because it wasn't me uh seeing all the people lined up against the fences on their knees uh after the the loco choco or, or, or whatever that oh. challenge was somebody ate 29 of them in, in five minutes for a thousand dollars, but like second place, which got $0, ate like 22 of them. And I, yeah.
1: I, yeah. You, you've never, you know, you can go to any beer or, or spirits festival in the country. You'll see four times as many people vomiting at a hot sauce show, <laughs> uh, especially Steve shows with the, the hot spicy challenges. Oh man. I don't know how they do
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your, your favorite activity to do in Boulder?
1: Mm, I would say it's, it's, it's a toss up between mountain biking, mountain biking or hiking, probably on a regular basis. I, I climb and I snowboard too, but, um, those are just, you know, I'm right at the foot of the mountains, uh, you know, back to that get outside and exercise. Like we got, seven inches of snow here uh what two days not not even two days ago and it's already all melting and it's you know 50 degrees and sunny
0: so it's not the it's not the
1: it's not the gray winter you know that living in boston i was in boston for 10 years so i know like once that first snow falls it's on the ground till april yeah uh so yeah that that that'll be it followed by probably a a cold i p a over at
0: ci brewing or twisted
1: pine You're
0: killing me <laughs> nice uh and, and curious, i don't know if, if you can pick one or not if, if it stands out but some of your favorite ingredients to cook with like at home it not necessarily cooking hot sauce but some of your favorite well, ingredients
1: uh, i i think um you'll see miso in our umami and our umami Mm -hmm. reserve, um, just an awesome, you know, huge umami bomb. Um, people tend to think of it as, you know, uh, an Asian, Japanese, you know, ingredient, which obviously culturally it is, but like, you know, fresh corn on the grill with a little bit of miso on there is amazing. Right. Um, you know, our umami seasoning, which has no spice to it at all, but, it's a salt you know it's an all-purpose salt seasoning kind of thing but i cook with that i just replaced salt pretty much throughout my entire cooking repertoire now for anything savory with umami seasoning nice um so those are big and then chili flakes i mean I, i love when it comes to cooking i will cook with hot sauce i do it all the time i'll make sauces from my hot sauce i'll mix my sauce with other people's sauce um you know it's it's a great way to play but those chili flakes you throw a little bit in there with you know your garlic and onions and olive oil you're gonna bring out a ton of flavor
0: yeah yeah i think that's something I, i learned uh that like heat isn't necessarily like just great for feeling the heat heat can open up a lot of uh taste receptors that just bring a whole bunch of new flavors. So even if just a little bit of chili flakes there that like, it's not super spicy, that can really open up some new flavors with, with whatever you're eating and kind of last rapid fire question, but are there any particular, uh, kind of culinary resources, whether those be books or podcasts or documentaries, TV shows, uh, I'm curious if anything that you've digested, uh, through your head (laughs) that uh, has been helpful with uh, your creation of flavors and cooking.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, like, I think about cooked, Michael Pollan, salt, fat, uh, acid, sweet or whatever. Uh, Yeah. I I always mess up. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Uh, Samin Nosrat, right. I mean, she's, she's, uh, even just her discussion about salt is amazing where it's like, salt is sure it makes things salty but it brings out the flavor like you're talking about in terms of heat right it's like it's all about that Cooked, you get to see like hey well if you ferment something you know you bake it you boil it all these different things these different approaches to cooking right and then um i like uh this man there's there's so many like cookbooks, but I, 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 like to think about cookbooks as inspiration. I'm, I'm absolute crap at following recipes, but if you show me like, Oh, Hey, here's this stew. I'll be like, Hey, all right. I, I can, I can start with that. Right. I can start with that, that approach. Um, so yeah, th- those are a few, you know, and then this, this is the fun ones like, you know, uh, chef's table or things like that on Netflix yeah. where, you know, you just get to see wild personalities and what they bring out. Um, I don't think I. I laughed real hard during um, during COVID at the Great British Baking Show.
0: Oh man, that, that's that's a favorite right. in this household. I, I,
1: just the the maybe it's just the UK's approach to this, where they just bring regular old people in, and yeah. like, and you get to watch them fuck up, and you get to watch them do all like, and yet it looks good. I want to eat it at the end. I'm like, all right, oh, so yeah. there's there's hope for the rest of us, all right? Um, and so th- those are a few like Omnivore's Dilemma was probably one of the first cooking or food oriented books that like really blew up that I loved um, that just talking about like a way of eating rather than just how to cook something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fermented foods in general, I will say and umami and bring yell at that flavor, just incredible. Like even in our, um, our truffle hound, um, and this isn't rapid fire, I'm sorry, but <laughs> hand, uh, we, I decided to use uh chickpea miso instead of, uh, you know, the, the red miso we typically use cause we have, you know, back to the customers, but probably about, I don't know, you, you have a couple dozen people. And whenever we launch something that asked me whether there's soy in it, um, mm, you know, cause yep. they're allergic to soy. And so it's, it's just another way of bringing out, you know, fermenting and, and, how it breaks down food and and brings that flavor to the forefront. Uh, It's a lot of fun to work with.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, Dave, this has been a pleasure talking to you and and so much information to to digest. So um, thank you for for being a part of it. Um, I guess as we wrap up, I'm just curious if you have any um, other kind of comments or thoughts or or, uh, things you'd like to share with, uh, kind of the, the hot sauce community, chili heads, uh, aspiring hot sauce makers and, and early stage craft makers.
1: Yeah, I guess my my shameless plug would be go go try Truffle Hound. I think it's, the personally, I think it's the best sauce I've ever made. Um, so that's that's uh, I'm excited about. And then, you know, the other thing is like, <laughs> we've talked about it a little bit, Brian, but don't start a hot sauce company. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well i I think there is a a few points that you've gone into as reasons why but tell me why why you shouldn't
1: you know when you think about food you got to think about from an industry standpoint like how quickly do you eat a bottle of hot sauce and probably most of the folks listening to this, we eat quite a bit of hot sauce, and that's still not a bottle a day. Whereas, you know, if you're making popcorn or snack bars, it's, it's one or two a day, maybe. Um, so that's, that's the first thing is just thinking about how long it takes. And, you know, the, the world of grocery is not set up from a finances standpoint for slow moving stuff. They want to sell it, sell it fast and get more in, um, you know, and and then the other thing is, it's a really, really busy space. And I'm incredibly grateful to the other makers who have, you know, given me pointers, helped me out. Um, I always try and return the favor um, and just brought awareness to this, to the industry. Um, But it's hard, you know, it's, it's a slog. I mean, there's, you know, just in terms of, and as an entrepreneur, it's like, we're not doing the easy thing. Otherwise probably wouldn't, but there's easier ways to make money and have hot sauce be this killer hobby on the side.
0: Yeah. 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 Cause I, I think it's, it's kind of the, the combination of, yeah. What you were saying is that a craft brewery, you could spend a hundred bucks if you're going to get loaded on, on the best product uh, for hot sauce, it, it might be 30 bucks in a month but there, I, I, I would ignore that, uh, that feedback. You'd probably ignore that feedback. And so I, I guess that's why we're having the converse, conversation. But um, no, I, I think it, it's the, the farther you go into it and, and thinking, hey, is this something I can build a company and, and do for the next couple of years, the next five years, the rest of your life? I mean, it, it's, it's not the easiest way to make a living. And uh, I think you got to ask like, why are you doing it? Uh, Is it just because you enjoy making hot sauce? I mean, you can, you can do that at home. You can trade it with people in in your neighborhood, but it's, it's, it's a scary thing. Like, I mean, you were talking about when you got that, that great call for, Hey, this is like getting in the spotlight to be on hot ones. There's a lot of scary numbers uh, and, big roadblocks to to get that done and everything.
1: We could, we could do a whole show on just the the business and numbers and marketing and like, you know, just the mechanics of all that. Right? And the 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 short answer is that it's hard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, well, I'll, I'll, leave you to it. Uh, start, start uh, working on, on 2021 plans because it's, it's a new year and hopefully uh, a lot of the, the COVID struggles are behind us, but it's, it's still very much so out there and the struggles are, are still going on. So um, yeah, good, good luck, David. And, and uh, I, I, I think, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on and and good luck to yourself and, you know, to everybody who's out there, man, this has been a hard year. And I, I try and remember being kind and being nice is cheap. It's free. You know, it's, it's the way we, we get through this kind of stuff. So um, hopefully this has been interesting and, and uh, educational in some ways and looking forward to the next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure you check out the sauces made by Seed Ranch Flavor by visiting the Craft Hot Sauce Shop. We got a wide range of their products, like their th- hot Thai green chili, their umami hot sauce, the Truffle Hound, uh, and we also have their umami seasoning. So th- those work really well for cooking, adding a lot of umami flavors uh, to whatever you like to cook. So you can get all these hot sauces on CraftHotSauce.com and check out other hot sauces and stories like. Seed Ranch Flavor Company. Please make sure to leave us a review if you haven't already and have an awesome day. Catch you next time.